Hello, and welcome to the final edition of the Sitcom Club, at least for Series 3. Fear not, we will be back in the autumn. More about that at the end of the show. However, for our end of term special, got something a little bit different this week. You may notice that at the moment I'm sitting here delivering a monologue. The reason for this is I'm going to be joined throughout the course of the show by all of the Sitcom Club members. DCT and Ocho will be up later on. First up in the moment will be Boggins Trovia. And you may also have noticed that the show itself, the podcast itself, doesn't actually have any names of any sitcoms attached. And the reason for this is because this is the Sitcom Club Mystery Edition. What we're doing this week is that Boggins Trovia, DCT and Ocho have each chosen a sitcom. I'm now going to discuss those shows with them without knowing what they are. Now, I'm not allowed to ask any direct questions. Otherwise, I could just say, for example, is it Romany Jones Series 2? And that would sort of spoil the game somewhat. So I'm just going to be discussing it as if it's a normal episode of the Sitcom Club. And over the course of the discussion, hopefully, I'm going to be able to get the information out of the man in the know. And the first man in the know is Boggan Strovia. Hello there, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How's yourself? Okay, fine, thanks. So here I am, Boggs, at somewhat of a disadvantage. I feel at the moment as if I am sort of stumbling around looking for the light switch. Although I suspect that probably a closer approximation is going to be that I've got hold of the dimmer switch, but it's only going up in slight notches. Like I say, I can't ask you any out-and-out direct questions. How much information you choose to impart is up to yourself, but we will see over the course of the next short well how soon I can get to Destination X. Okay, first up, I'm going to ask you just out now, did you enjoy the show that you have been watching? Oh yes, very much so. I really enjoy the uh, sitcom that we're talking about. I would say that it is one of the um, modern day classics. Modern day classics, that's interesting, okay, because a lot of the shows that we do talk about on the Sitcom Club, of course, are shows from yesteryear, so you've gone with something a bit more up to date, have you? Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, now it's 50-50, so I'm just going to plump for one or the other. I'm going to say that this show that you've got there is a mainstream success, rather than being a sort of BBC2 Channel 4 type thing, I'm going to say that this is a big old way Primetime BBC One Spectacular, am I right? Not at all. <laughs> right, okay, well that's disappointing from my point of view early on, but okay. No, I like the way that you phrased that, that was a sort of a Roy Walker, it's good but it's not right. Okay, so let's explore the show itself. Now, your main characters in the show, generally speaking, do you have a nice sort of mix in terms of antagonists, protagonists and so on are the people in the show that you'd like to spend time with or the people in the show that you wouldn't want to be anywhere near? You could sort of say a bit both about them really. Out of all the characters yeah they'd be good to hang around but you wouldn't really want to hang around with them for a very long time you wouldn't. Okay so they'd be okay in small doses? Yeah they'd be okay in small doses but you wouldn't really want to spend a pretty long time with them. It would get slightly annoying. The situation that keeps this group of people together presumably this is a rather disparate group. Is this a group who find themselves 
together for some sort of common cause, although they wouldn't necessarily choose to be in each other's company. I wouldn't say that as much that they would have a common cause. They'd be along the same wavelength, but they wouldn't have the same common cause. Now, do you particularly identify with, say, one character out of the group? So one person who normally gets your sympathy? Not really, no. They all sort of get my sympathy in a way. In the way that they actually act and go about their own business. The type of situations that they find themselves in, are they, for example, relatively mundane and straightforward and things that we can all relate to? Are they perhaps a bit more sort of fantastic? Are they a bit more ridiculous, absurd? Well, it's a sort of cross between the pair of what you said there. It, true to life, but it can get blown out of all proportion. It's a more sort of larger version of real life. Am I right in thinking that this is a show which has a satirical edge to it? No, it hasn't got a satirical edge, though it does make popular references. Okay, I'm just going to rephrase that question. Am I right in thinking this is a show that doesn't really have a satirical edge? Mm, No, it doesn't have a satirical (laughs) edge at all, it doesn't. So it's not the thick of it? No. No, it's not. Okay, well, that's one of my that's one of my guesses blown out of the water. Okay, right now, one down, uh, listeners, a few to go. Okay, now here we go. So, okay, so not particularly not well, not statistical at all, but it has got pop culture references in it. Okay, it's not a mainstream show, so we're talking more. I'm going to plump that this is not necessarily made by the BBC, but it's made for broadcast by the BBC. No, in fact. I'm going to have to up my game here, because otherwise we could be here until Christmas. So, it's not a BBC show. It is a BBC show, it is. It is, it is a BBC show. Yes, it's a BBC produced show, but not done by an independent. Oh, I see, I beg your pardon. Right, okay, so that's my next guess out of the window, because I was actually going to say, is it Peep Show? And it isn't. Right, okay, okay, so, okay, BBC, well, that, that narrows it down to about 80% of the possibilities that it could be. God, this isn't something on BBC Free that I've never heard of, because if it's on BBC Free, I've never heard of it. But, okay, right, now... He's having trouble here, listeners, <laughs> trying to get the answer. Remember, I'm not allowed to ask the right questions, so I've got to pose all these questions as if we're actually talking about the show. So, I presume that you would have a favourite episode or two of this show. Yes, I would. So, without going into any specifics... Would you like to talk a little bit about the broad themes that are explored in your favourite episode of the show? The themes would be a popular quiz show and its hosts and also some marital status. Wow, <laughs> it, certainly, it certainly stumped you, hasn't it? This is a really tough one. When you say a popular game show. You say popular game show, so I'm presuming then that we're talking about an actual game show being referred to as opposed to something like, say, The Gold Rush in Only Fools and Horses, where it's like, it's supposed to be millionaire, but it isn't, if that makes sense. It's an actual game show, it is, which has been broadcast. Okay. Now, I was thinking there about Countdown in the IT crowd, but as you said, it's a BBC show, so it's not that. Okay. Can I say some people in the episode? Well, I think that that would probably be too much of a giveaway. Or can I say that they're um, 
It's a combination of the old and the new. Oh, in terms of the actors. Okay, yes. that's interesting, right? Okay, so a combination of old and new. Popular quiz show, BBC. And now you, you mentioned there about like some of the specifics, but what would you say were the actual themes that are explored in that episode? Is this an episode that has a lot of pathos in it, for example, or is it more sort of farcical? You could say it has got pathos, but it is a very farcical situation. Oh, this has really got me stumped. I'm going to have to buck up my game if I'm going to get anywhere throughout this entire episode because I've got three of these to get through. But listeners, help me out here. What do we know so far? It is, in the loosest possible sense, an alternative show, not mainstream show. It's a BBC show. It's got a mix of old and new actors. What is this other theme that's in it in terms of is it about one of the central characters or is it about like someone who comes in for one particular week? They're only in it for one week, though they're not actually seen on screen. Is this a show which has got like a cult following or is it simply a show which is always sort of there but doesn't really tend to get the kind of publicity that all our shows get, for example. It's a show with a very massive cult following. You could say even more so now. So, not mainstream show, BBC show, has a mix between old and new actors. I am going to say that this show has got a studio audience. Yes, it has got a studio audience. I'm going to say that it's entirely based on VT with no film. Yes, you could say that. I'm going to say that it is prone to strange tangent, strange flights of fancy, that it's a show which has very, very unusually for any sitcom of any period of time, it has elements of animation in it. No, it hasn't got animation in it at all. No animation? No animation at all. So we're not talking about House of Fools? No. Oh! Damn it! Okay, right. That is a real sob because I really thought that that's what we're talking about here. Because when you said it was this episode about a mix between old and new, I was thinking, ah, well, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer, but you've also got like Dan Skinner and Organa Freeman and so on. So yeah, okay. Uh, oh wow. Okay, that's that is a shame. Morgan okay. Freeman? Don't you mean Morgana Robinson? Morgan Morgan Freeman's an actor. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember that Morgan Freeman coming in as Nelson Mandela. You're absolutely, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. I have, I have made a boo boo. Okay, well. Do you want another clue? I'm, I'm very, very close to that point, but I, I don't want to phone a friend just yet. But I'm getting there. I'm getting very, very close. Okay, let me just explore a bit more because this could be an episode that I've never seen. So this could be a dark alley I'm going down. But a little bit more about this. Game show, which is a plot device in one of the episodes. Now, presumably, this game show, if it's going to be, if it's going to work as a plot device, it's going to be one that's very, very well known. It's very well known, but it's not the game itself. This could be very similar to the actual game show, which is in the show. This sort of guessing period, it could be. Dear listener, I'm really, really struggling here. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to use one of my lifelines. I'm going to, I'm going to say without giving me anything as specific as like an actor's name or anything like that, you can give me one of your clues. Okay, the first clue is it could have been potentially embarrassing for another person with its title. Do you mean the, the, the title of the show, does it have, for example, like a person's name in it or something like that? No, it hasn't got a person's name in it, but it could have been embarrassing for other people. 
it has a really big cult following. You said something about it has got a really big cult following, even more so now, you said. Yes, yes, it's even got a, a more massive cult following now. So that suggests that perhaps someone who's in that show, and perhaps has been in it from the beginning, has now become a bigger name since something to that effect? Yes, yes, definitely. But not for the obvious thing. Not for the obvious thing. Do you mean that one of the actors in the show has become better known for something other than their acting career? They still do acting, but they're also known for something else apart from acting as well. In terms of the cast, are we talking principally comic actors or comedians? We're talking uh, comedians, we are. Exclusively comedians? Yes, exclusively comedians, we are. And is this a show which is original, or is this something which is derived from something else? In other words, is this, for example, say, like a comedy collective who've previously been doing things like sketch shows and so on, and now... It is a show which has come from a derivative background, though it is an original idea. I mean, you can have another clue if you want. I'm, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use another lifeline here. Oh my goodness, I'm struggling. One of the characters was a previous protagonist in a different show, though they share the same name. One of the characters was a... Is the character a protagonist in this as well, then? It's two different characters, but they share the same name. Boy. Let's recap once more, even though I'm not going to get this. I know it. I'm not going to get this because I'm not getting anywhere. But a modern sitcom, a cult sitcom, a BBC show, old and new comedians. One of the people in it is well known for something other than performing. Mm, It is a very tough one, it is. Now, okay, should this be tough? In other words, should this be something that I have at least heard of in passing? Is this something that most people have heard of in passing? Definitely you would have heard of it. I don't know whether I can give you a line from one of the episodes or not. You may as well, you may as well, yes, yeah. And it's Bob's Full House tonight, exactly. Well, okay, I've got it, but it's bottom. It's bottom it is. This is the thing, I'm not really considering bottom a modern show in that sense, because I was thinking the whole time that I was thinking about something along the lines of sort of 2010-ish or thereabouts. But, of course, now it makes sense. Now it all falls into place because, yeah, mix of old and new, and you've got a big, big cult following, as I'm one myself. But, yeah, I mean, okay, yes, that's that's throw me. I think that I've been focused too much on the 21st century when we'll be going through this. And I think... I am surprised, to be honest, I didn't get it, because I'm a huge Bottom fan, and I've got the DVDs on my shelf just over there. But, yeah, well, you have... You've done very well there, Boggs, because I was drawn a blank for a long period of time there. Shall we go through the clues as... Let's go through the yeah, save of the game, yes. and so, yeah. they, so we can reveal how we get to this point. Okay, so first of all, it's got cult following. Very true. Yes, it's a massive following, it is by people of a certain age and all like that, and it's appreciated by younger comedy fans now who are starting to re-get back into it via repeats on Gold and Dave and other channels like that. 
it's got a mix of old and new because you've got Rick Mill and Nate Emerson who have been around for a little while, but you've also got people like Stephen O'Donnell as well. Stephen O'Donnell, plus older actors and actresses. You've got Victor Spinetti, you've got Patsy Rowlands and people like that, Roger Sloman. And we've also got the fact that it's a show which people have heard of in passing, even if they've never seen it. And obviously, inherently, it can't be a mainstream show. It couldn't be a mainstream show at 8 o'clock in the evening, given the way it is. No. And it could be potentially embarrassing for other people via the original title they were going to call it, which was My Bottom, which would have been potentially embarrassing to any continuity announcer. (laughs) We don't see a character who's only in it for one episode, but we hear about him, which is Cannonball Taffio Jones. Ah, yes, of course he does. And a link with the game show, of course, is that he marries a woman from the abattoir who looks like Ted Rogers. (laughs) Of course, of course. Yes, I've got to admit that Although I I do absolutely adore the series, I'm not quite as up on season three as the first two. And it's a bit of a gap because season three is 1995. No, well, you've done very well there, Bob, because I must congratulate you on... I'm going to say that you stumped me. I mean, even though I eventually got it, but I mean, I had to have a line handed to me from the show. So, yes, I'm disappointed that my skills of detection have let me down this early. And I'm now going to have to buck up my game because up next is George Grimwood. Hello, how are you? I'm no bad, I'm no bad. Before we get into our mystery sitcom discussion, how is the talk show talk show going? Talking well, talking good, talking bad. It's a little bit of everything. It's getting there. I'm hoping that we have a few special guests coming up. Not to say that the guests have so far haven't been special, but continuing the strand of guests who happen to be special in some capacity. We have a few under the belt. We have a few over the belt. We're belted out, more or or less. But yeah, we've got a lot of things to talk about in the talk show, talk show. So with any luck in the next few weeks or so, we will be accumulating a number of shows that will be released in the forthcoming months. And if somebody inexplicably hasn't already subscribed to the podcast, then where do they find it? Well, if you type in the talk show, talk show, if you type in George Grimwood, in fact, you know, being the narcissist that I am, if you type in George Grimwood on iTunes, that should come up straight away. Or easier, easier than that, perhaps, arguably, if you go onto Twitter and follow at talk show podcast, or one word. Smashing. So, you know the rules. You have been watching something recently, and we're going to talk about that just now. And I've already explained the rules of the game for this episode, for this end-of-term special. So let's just get straight on with it. Before we do, I have a question for you. The term you have been watching, was that applied only to Croft and Perry? As I understand it, yes, until it was then used in tribute, so to speak, by Miranda Hart in Miranda. But up until that point, I believe, yes, it was an exclusive property of David Croft. I did not know that. There you go. I, I was intrigued. And actually, that's the name of his autobiography you have been watching, and it's very good indeed. I recommend it. Okie dokie. I, 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 see, I didn't know that. So there you go. I've, I've learned something already. 
when you have now, have you just accidentally given away the show that we're talking about now is a David Croft sitcom? Not at all, not at all. Okay. So, first of all, did you enjoy the show that you've been watching recently? Absolutely, yes. I have watched it a number of times over the years and thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I'm obviously in no doubt whatsoever as to what show we're talking about, but just to play the game, yeah, I'll go with it. So, let's say, for example, do you think that the lead characters in the show, do you think that they are are likable? Are they dislikable? Are they people who we're supposed to have sympathy with? Well, as an ensemble cast, you get all different traits that are empathetic to any one person. I would say that there are enough characters in this to all have empathetic or indeed sympathetic elements to them. Even even the least likable characters have moments of hope in them. They have moments of amicable characteristics within them, albeit briefly or momentarily before they fall back into the, the truest ebb of their character. But ultimately, I would say that the characters within the show are more or less relatable in some shape or another, and ultimately that makes them likable. A long-running sitcom? Define long-running. Well, I suppose more than three series. Yes, in that case, yes. Interesting. Okay, now... I presume that we have, even though, as you say, it's an ensemble piece, I presume that we have a lead character. I don't know if it's going to be somebody who's in the title of the show, whatever it may be, but the lead character in it, is this someone who is supposed to be our protagonist, or is this somebody who's driving everybody else up the wall? I would say that on the basis of how much of an ensemble cast it is, that there is no real lead role as such. Each episode, for the most part, has an A-plot that may focus on a different character. The ensemble doesn't really have an antagonist as such. More so people who drive other characters up the wall, for sure. But no one less likable than the other one. And just for reference... Is this one of those shows where there have been cast changes over time, perhaps? Well, I would say there was only really one removal between the first and second series. And I'd say there is one or two additions along the way. But ultimately, there weren't too many shifts in characters. No, we are... You haven't suddenly snuck in some Australian sitcom, for example. This is this is a British sitcom we're talking about. Absolutely. Okay. I'm still wondering if that was a little red herring that you threw me there earlier on with the the David Croft reference, but we'll, we'll no, uh, I'll say that <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, so without naming any names, over the course of the multiple series, do you find yourself identifying with one particular character? Me personally, I would say that the ensemble cast is spread across many different emotions. I'd say that, for example, there's one character who is so undermined and underdogish that I can relate to that on one day. There's one character who expresses their anger so well that I can relate to them at one point. There's one who is such a cynic that I can relate to that. And then there's one who's so optimistic that I can relate to that. I would say that all the characters in this ensemble piece have different traits that are certainly relatable or different at different aspects and different times of, the, of my life to the point where I would say that certain episodes, depending on my mood, I'd be more drawn to than others. Would you say that the 
situation which keeps all of these people together? Is it a claustrophobic situation? Claustrophobic in that it's more or less one setting. The times in which it is outside of its comfort zone, as it were, are often handheld and not familiar. Although it does deviate outside of the main solid setting occasionally, for the most part, it has its own comfort zone. Now, how would you describe, for example, the political stance, say, of the most prominent ensemble members? Well, I would say predominantly they are anti-establishment, or at least mocking the establishment at the time, not necessarily in favour of, usually for the most part satirising from their own perspectives, the characters' perspectives, as to what's happening at the time of the show. There's one or two characters who are perceived from the audience's perspective as naive, and therefore their views, say, for example, on the royals or certain political figures are positive in a way that no one else would perceive in the same way. They would just, the audience laughs at them, not with them in that respect, whereas they will laugh with other characters who are mocking certain political figures. And if we've got, for example, a group discussion between the ensemble players, does there more often than not tend to be one particular voice that dominates? Not so much. It depends. Sometimes I believe the writers put it in such a way that the punchline could be shared predominantly by different characters, more relating to what could be satirized at the time, and use the characters' personas as part of an A or a B plot to heighten that satire. I think I'm right in saying that this wasn't a show, unlike so many others that we've discussed recently on the podcast, this wasn't a show which ever got the big screen treatment, was it? It almost did, but the plot that was put together for a film was eventually abandoned and written to a novel of the sitcom. Now, you mentioned writers there, plural. The writers, am I right in thinking that they went on to enjoy success individually as well as in a partnership? I believe so. I couldn't confirm officially, but uh, as far as I'm aware, they did, yes. And one of those writers, I believe, actually went on to write a series principally for one of the people who's in this show, and that latter series became one of the most popular sitcoms of the 1990s. Hmm. I would not be surprised if that was the case. The writer in question that I'm talking about there, of course, being David Renwick. No. <gasps> oh, damnation. I was about to say hot metal. And I'm wrong. Oh, oh, right. Okay, so now I've got to rejig my path altogether. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't know if we're like three strikes and I'm out. But well, I will say this much: you're on the right path. I would argue that Hot Metal is not so much of an ensemble in that way. I'd say that certain characters in Hot Metal are less relatable. I would say that in relation to the sitcom that I'm talking about, it captures an era, but perhaps in regards to hot metal, that is arguably more set in a certain decade, whereas the show that I'm talking about was even more specific than that. You could watch hot metal and say this is about the 80s, whereas what I'm talking about, it'd be more specific than that. So presumably if this show was to turn up without warning 
on gold tonight mm -hmm. with no explanatory piece about the context mm -hmm. of it, then it would throw you a little bit. I would presume this would be something that you'd have to be sitting there sort of doing research on Google to be able to follow. If there happened to be introductory one-minute voiceover telling you what was happening that week, then... That'd be, really, that'd be a really, really good idea if they were to repeat this show. Then I think that'd be a really, really good idea. And they did, even when they released it on VHS and DVD. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, Drop the Dead Donkey. Yes! <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah, that, uh, I, I must admit, for the the first 95% of our conversation, I, I was really struggling with what this... I mean, first of all, I was thinking Whoops Apocalypse, and then I thought, well, no, that's going to be a little bit obvious, because, of course, yourself, it's going to already discussed that on the podcast previously. I was really, really going down this route of it being hot metal. You know, though, it's interesting, though, they are very easily to compare. I would say that's completely appropriate, because hot metal i was actually debating about hot metal but then i thought well drop the dead donkey when i was talking about sort of the characters being empathetic you've got george dent who is the put upon the character who occasionally rises up from that and you and you feel good for you you know and then you've got henry davenport who who vents very well and you've got joy who's very much of a cynic and you've got dave who's kind of does all the wrong things but you can completely understand. And then you've got the ruthless ambitiousness of Damien. You've got all these different traits. You've got Gus's stupid optimism uh, and subsequent loneliness, actually, which is... Uh, but occasionally there would be a lot of pathos in the midst of all of this. And um, despite the fact that the satire was deigned to one week at a time, I'm very fond of that show. And I think Hot Metal is more broad in that respect. I think that captures an era, right? whereas Drop the Donkey really did capture it week by week. Now, what is this business about a proposed film script? Well, the fantastic book that eventually ended up circa late 90s onwards in its one-pound bookshops was Drop the Dead Donkey 2000, which somewhere along the lines, in fact, I, I can vouch I definitely have this. I have the audiobook read by Stephen Tompkinson. It's unabridged, and as far as I'm aware, and it's, yeah, it's basically, it was this premise, a massive scandal, and it was set in the year 2000. It's really quite good. Here's the pitch that was sort of coming out when they when they put it together. It was, The novel to end the century. Can the civil war in Switzerland be halted? Will the Navy be able to clear the English Channel of pirates? Who advised Prince Charles to hold a referendum on the future of the monarchy? Why is George Dent two inches taller than he used to be? And who will remove the corpse from Sally's chair? In this comic vision of a demented millennium, the characters from Channel 4's BAFTA award-winning sitcom Drop the Dead Donkey find themselves sucked into a murder plot which reaches into the highest echelons of government, a plot which includes conspiracy, corruption, and very poor sexual performance. And this was written, this was released as a Channel 4 book, and it was written by Andy Hamilton and Alistair Beaton. It's thoroughly entertaining, and it, apparently it was on of, from the basis of a script that was subsequently abandoned when they were really genuinely debating, I assume through Film 4, of releasing a Drop the Dead Donkey feature film. The book was released in 1995 and was set on the 31st of December 1999 onwards. So this would have been after, I'd say, what, I'd say around season 4? when they were debating this, and then it subsequently got abandoned. I'm guessing that after season five, there was the big gap, and then everything else happened in 97, and so 98 was just there as an opportunity to just close the book on it. And it actually, I mean, without giving any details away, it does actually have a proper conclusion, doesn't it? The book has strands of that in, but it did go in a slightly different direction, though. So if, inexplicably, 
in my opinion. Someone has never seen Trap the Dead Donkey. Where would you recommend they actually begin? I got into Trap the Dead Donkey around series three, where they introduced the new character of Helen, uh, replacing Alex. I was wrong previously. It wasn't one to two. It was two to three. Alex lasted the first two series. The end episode, appropriately, of series two being a fantastic episode, more or less satirizing the concept of the office Christmas party extremely well. And it was appropriate that that was Alex's last appearance, perhaps ashamed or embarrassed from her circumstances by the end of that episode. So series three is particularly good because it has an overall arc. It's in the center of, as it turns out, in retrospective, the center of busyness for the series in terms of satire, in terms of the characters' developments and so forth. There was a VHS and subsequently a DVD known as The Writer's Choice, which Bizarrely, actually, was a combination of a couple of Series 1 episodes, one Series 2 episode, and a couple of Series 4 episodes, completely skipping Series 3, and I'm guessing released before Series 5 and 6 even were created. But I would say Series 3 is pretty good. Bearing in mind that any episode that you see now will come with a 30-second, one-minute voiceover saying, and now, drop the dead donkey. This episode was first shown on this date, and in this week, this was when the Prime Minister of the time did this, and there was some crisis in the Middle East. And then you go into it. Not that it matters hugely, to be fair. The episodes that are perhaps ones that are picked by the writers in their Writer's Choice VHS slash DVD are ones that the characters come forward, and the satire is there in the background, but not entirely necessary to the developing plot. I would say that without giving too much away about the finale of the entire series, Series 6, it's a perfect illustration and further proof that the characters can only evolve as far as they're willing to go, in that people like George can only go so far because they can't change, because that's what keeps them that character. If they were to make life-affirming changes that evolved their characters then they wouldn't be who we know and who we love and who we relate to the finale emphasizes that and illustrates that very well if you haven't seen drop the dead donkey you will find all six series available on 4od you've got one of those lovely little white now tv branded ruku boxes you'll find them all in there thank you george for playing the mystery sitcom game today next time we speak on the subject of sitcoms or talk shows Whatever we're talking about will not be a mystery. It will be advertised in advance. But only to the audience it will be a mystery. <laughs> well, I shall now move on to my next mystery sitcom. Arriving on Scooby Bus now is Ocho. The Mystery Machine. Of course, I couldn't oh, remember okay. the name of it is. Yeah, that's right. Let's get this nailed down straight away. What era of Scooby-Doo are we talking about? 1969 onwards. Was there ever a series they didn't have the Mystery Machine? Well, I thought that you'd say 69, but I'm actually going to go for the series. Was it around about sort of 75, 76 thereabouts where they had like the celebrities come in to assist them? So you'd have Scooby-Doo with the Harlem Globetrotters and with Larry Harmon's There's Lord now a Hardy. comic called that. There's now a comic Scooby-Doo team-up. I did quite like seeing that show on British TV because every once in a while you get somebody you might just have heard of, but again, maybe not. They have somebody like Phyllis Diller or Tim Conway or something like that who is like are still recognisable, but they're not like a huge, huge name. Or maybe Johnny Carson will turn up one week or something like that. Like all the times you'll get like a sports star and it'll be somebody who's well known for his ice hockey and nobody in the UK's heard of him at all. But anyway, I digress. 
So this show viewers, first of all, I think that I'm right in saying, and you can tell I'm completely bullshit at this point because I've got no idea, but I think I'm right in saying that this is a show which is fondly remembered, if not... It, it's not one of the ones that plays on gold like 24-7, is it? No, it's been a long time since it last troubled that station. Ah, that may have been a hint there, troubled, as in trouble in mind. Okay, but I'll make a note of that. Right, so is this a show you think still has some relevance today, or does it perhaps look a little bit dated now? I think its relevance is almost a result of its emptiness. There might be concepts in individual episodes that it's like, well, people don't really do that anymore. But in general, the lack of confining format is a thing that I think helps it in today's environment. Okay, so that suggests to me that this is something where we're going to have our our favourite VT slash film split, am I right? Yes. Okay. You say that it doesn't have a confined format. I mean, is it, for example, is there some sort of recognisable base? Presumably there is some sort of home for the main characters. Yeah. 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 Now, is this something where the internal logic, does this allow for some quite outlandish situations, situations that you wouldn't normally get in a mainstream sitcom? Yes, it does take flights of fancy, which do not match a lot of the episodes around it. And is this... This is awkward because I've got a name in mind already, but... Uh, okay. By is... the way, Bill Oddie's not in it. Oh, Damn it! Right, I was. Oh, I really, I really thought. I thought. Oh, I've got it already. It's the goodies. Well, hey, I, I was just about to say, do they have occasional guest stars and so on? And then eventually, I was just going to take the piss and say they do I'm, have occasional guest stars in this show. Well, I'm sure they do, but it's that's irrelevant now because it's not the goodies. Oh, blimey! Okay, that's thrown me now. This is. I'm back to the situation where I was with. DCT when I suddenly thought that I was talking about hot metal and then realised I wasn't. Okay, then right, now let's reboot. Okay, so, VT 60mm, outlandish situations, not the goodies has guest stars. Let's just confirm one thing right now. You haven't, like, come up with some sitcom from, like, German TV circa 1970. No, this is definitely a British show. (laughs) Right. In English. (laughs) Shown on British television. It's not even like dinner for one or anything like that. <laughs> now, roughly speaking, without any specifics, because I'm not allowed to ask specifics, what sort of period of the day would this be going out? Would I be having my my tea, as we call it up here, like I'm sure you do as well, but for southerners, we're talking about dinner, or would it be more sort of post lunch snack i think its original slot it would have been prime time would have been tea time or slightly later if you want to know what time of day it's suitable for pretty much any time of day okay i can't believe this isn't the goodies (laughs) (laughs) i'm half expecting you to say in about half an hour's time oh yeah life bloody isn't it (laughs) it's the goodies (laughs) right okay now That'd be a good curveball, wouldn't it? But Timbrook, Taylor and Graham Garden are in it, but Bill Oddie isn't. <laughs> well, then I would have said it was broad in your mind, but that's not a sitcom. Yes, it was the 1983 series. <laughs> not the goodies. <laughs> it was an episode of Me and My Girl where Graham Garden guests for one week. <laughs> Graham Garden just walks on to the set. And went, oh, God, you're shooting now. Sorry. Now, let's see. Okay, so... I mean, do you want me to start volunteering little no, bits no, of information? No, 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 no. Okay. Even though they can have outlandish situations and so on, the central base 
Is it a recognizable place? Definitely. A space station or somewhere like that? No, it's just, it's just a normal No, just you, a it's, it's definitely. Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to be more specific? No, nope, no, nope, no, nope, no, you're right there. Um, okay. Okay, now, our central character, do we have a central character singular? Or is this more of an ensemble piece? I would say it was more of an ensemble piece, despite any indication the title might give. Ah. That should that should narrow it down a hell of a lot. Ah. Okay, yes. Now then. Yeah. Now I've got an inkling now. Am I right thinking this is a show that didn't run for very long? You're wrong in thinking that. I'm wrong in thinking that. I would say it ran for very long. Yes. In fact, I'm not entirely sure how many series it did run. There is an arguable point. So we're not talking about the strange world of Granny Slade? No. Oh, blimey. Okay. When you said there Which about... I don't think has a base, actually. Well, when you said about how, regardless of what the name suggests, it was straight away, I'm thinking, ah. There's another completely wrong show you could <laughs> jump onto. I think <laughs> I, the description I, I am, I've given. Even though I'm doing very badly at this, I'm enjoying this. So I don't want... No, I don't want any obvious clues. Okay. We're okay. Gonna, we're going to crack this. Okay. I want to say we. I mean I, because you know what it is. Oh, no. I don't know what it is either. <laughs> No, sorry, go on. <laughs> right. Are characters then, are there are there certain characters who you're more in sympathy with? Are there particular characters who you wouldn't want to be anywhere near? I would say there's one character you're in sympathy with and everybody else is on roughly the same level of lovable and annoying. There might be a character who's about one degree more annoying than the others. Without any specifics again, when you say that the plots can become outlandish, by that, because I was thinking of the goodies, I mean, can the characters, at the click of a finger, suddenly find themselves in the middle of the Sahara Desert, and then, in no. the next blink, find themselves on the surface of the moon, and then back in whatever? Nothing like that. Nothing is ridiculous No, as it's that. not like that. It is more the idea underlying an episode will be a bit odd, and occasionally they get a bit meta. Okay, no. Is this written by two people? This is written by at least three people. I'm talking about the, 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 well, the principal creators of the show. Is it a pairing or is it not? No. As far as I know, the first episode and the pilot was written by one person. And episodes are written by one person. It's just that there are a number of different writers throughout the series. There's one name I associate with it, one name I associate with getting it kicked off, and another name that I hadn't associated with it until I did my research. Okay, let's take a step back here. Our cast and crew, our main players in the cast, are they people who are character actors or are they more comedians? A comedian with a lot of character actors, comic actors around. Now, despite what you said earlier on about how it's an ensemble piece, you also said about that the title may give you a sort of misleading impression. Is this the kind of show where it looks like, at first glance, it looks like a vehicle for a particular actor or a particular perhaps comedian who's then got a supporting If you saw the listing you'd probably think that but as soon as an episode starts that idea is pretty much gone from your head you can see immediately everybody's in there working together Does this actually have a particular person's real name in the title of the show? Yes Well you said that as if I'm going to suddenly come out of it but I'm actually not (laughs) Yeah I thought thought you were there No I mean again (laughs) It's my my, what's my line Yes No the Benny Hill show is not a sitcom so yeah, okay. At one point, I thought you were groping towards Father Ted. Actually, do you know I wasn't? But I was going to just throw that in as an example of such a show where you've got a comedian 
and also you've got some comic actors and you've got like a, a, an ensemble piece together. So yeah, I was going to suggest that as a, as a... Do you want a piece of non-specific but absolutely dynamite information? No, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, it, and it's a cut price comedy show, isn't it? With TV's Lenny Windsor, and I cannot believe how you managed to even track down <laughs> entire episodes of it. Oh, I'd love to see that again. <laughs> the number of people who've ever said that about the cut price comedy show, a, and then b, who can actually append again at the end of it as well. I mean, that can be many people who could say that. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I think I did watch every episode. He's still very popular at my school. Right, now, this is actually the toughest one. I am so sorry. It's a principal person as a comedian. Comedian's name and the title of the show. Ensemble piece. Outlandish ideas, but not in the goodies sense. One principal person behind it as Outlandish episodes, but also... Some of them are quite normal. Actually, I might append that to say the idea behind one of the characters is a bit weird. The fact that the character is considered a character is a little outlandish. Our main performer in it, is this somebody who has had a straightforward career in terms of being a comedian and has also done this as well? Or is this someone who has begun by being a comedian and then sort of got into acting and then gradually sort of done more acting and so on and so on until he's one of those all-round performers? Actually, no, I would say it's not really a particularly straightforward career. I think our central person became more known for writing. Oh, okay. That should be a little stick of dynamite there. Okay, let's recap the facts. Now, I'm going to get my thinking head on. I'm going to approach this like Maxton... G. Beasley playing Columbo on 321. Okay, so we've got a comedian in the title role with an ensemble cast, although it's not quite a straightforward vehicle as that suggests. And you've got some outlandish plots, and you've got some which aren't. And you've got then this guy, is it a man we're talking about, is the principal yes. character? Yes. So then he's gone off, and he's actually now better known for writing, so he's had a bit of an odd career trajectory. Why have I still got a completely blank mind? I've got I would say the writing is what this. initially got him known when the show started, or should I say, is the dynamite because you need it. Restarted. Uh, I, 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 didn't, a, I didn't say I want to go to free hospitals. Well, you, you, you damn need it, man. Um, <laughs> he was a recognisable face. What is wrong with me? Oh, I don't know why this is not clicking restarted now was this one of these situations where like a show had been made in black and white and then came back in color or something like that yes yes is that what it is yeah yes yeah. okay so there you go oh do you want to ask me any more ah! questions you've got it of course it's sykes isn't it yes and i did as part of my watching i actually watched one episode of sykes and ah the black and white one i actually watched them sykes and the holiday and Interestingly, they talk about going to Bog-on-Sea, and I noticed that one of the later episodes I had lined up was Sykes and a Holiday in Bog-Sea, and I thought, oh, this will be the colour remake. No, it's a weird kind of continuity. The black and white one is about them not going to Bog-on-Sea, and the colour one is about them going to this place called Bog-Sea. Okay, they've, they've tightened up the name, but... Well, I am appalled at how long it took me to get that, and... I mean, if you hadn't thrown out that bone there, I would still be grasping around. Oh, man. Okay, I think that where I was going wrong there was that I was looking for... In my mind, I'm sort of picturing comedian as yeah, I could, a stand-up comedian. I could, but the thing but is, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's not yeah, really right, fair it's to very... say that he wasn't a comedian. 
But it's, yeah, it's very difficult to put a li- if if you gone into more specifics about his background, then I probably would have got it. So it is, yeah, it's, it's difficult to put him into a pigeonhole, I guess. But which is one of the things I like yeah, about the show. Oh. It, it meanders around, and it's very. Well, I mean, one of the episodes I watched was the end of the world, which just starts with. Eric reading the newspaper, saying, world due to end at midnight. <laughs> and that's the concept that plays out. I mean, spoiler, the world doesn't end. <laughs> but just the fact that they can start an episode like that and they're all talking, well, what, what, what are we going to do then for the end of the world? And you have the one where they're looking at clips of old shows with Frank Boff. And you get that strange little metafictional thing. And of course, the last ever episode is another clip show, but it's sort of stepping out by saying, look, Eric Sykes works for the BBC, but it's in a very peculiar fashion. We're not watching Sykes the character. It's a version of Eric Sykes that acts exactly like Eric Sykes the character. The reason I threw this in was I'm not sure we could do a whole podcast on it because it's so thin. I mean, the concept is Eric and his sister get into lots of strange scrapes. Now, there's lots of episodes to talk about, especially if we drag in the black and white Sykes and Ah series. But I think it would very quickly just dissolve into us doing plot descriptions. Now, this is not the place... We've had lots of controversy on the show, the series. Not really. But I feel I must impart a controversial opinion at this point. I'm not actually a huge fan of Sykes. Don't mean Eric Sykes, I just mean Sykes, the sitcom. What don't you like about it? I have tried many... I cannot put my finger on what it is. I think I've maybe tried many, many times. thinness. Well, the thing is that I've tried many, many times to get into it. And... I like all the performers that are in it, and yet there's something about it where I just find within about sort of five or ten minutes or so, I'm just thinking, this is dragging, isn't it? And I'm just sort of waiting for it to just sort of get to some sort of point. I mean, one one episode that I do like, for example, because it has got a really good, strong storyline, is the episode where he gets the job on the buses. And then falls out of them because he doesn't like the way that they're running the bus service. So he starts his own walking bus service and so on. Now that one I quite like because that's got a full-on structure. Whereas quite often uh, when I see it and they're just sat in the flat and what have you, I just think, uh, I, don't, I don't know. It, it, it's a bit of an oddity. But yeah, I saw a Christmas episode at Christmas, funnily enough. And it was about how they'd gone round to Corky's house Christmas Day. And... Yeah, it was sort of like, it's all right. I mean, it's... But again, it's like... Again, Sheila Stiefel was being silent. That's the second time I've seen her being silent in six months. <laughs> because we just saw her in three, two, one doing the skit with Laurie Holloway about her being quiet for long periods. So, <laughs> yes. No, but I don't know. It's a kind of show that I want to warm to, but for some reason, I, I can't. And I'm not sure I can think of anything. So, oh, just watch this one and that. It'll all fall into place. One of the ones I watched I didn't enjoy, which was The Holiday Camp. That did seem to drag. But generally I like it because it just sort of wanders around and goes back and forth. Is realistic, is unrealistic. The character I mentioned who I said it's unrealistic that this character is a character is, of course, Peter, the cuckoo in the cuckoo clock, who they talk to and interact with. A lot of film as well, I noticed. It was interesting when he said the goodies because there is this thing where the episode will stop and then you'll get a really long film sequence of visual gags. Are we ever doing the goodies? Is the goodies a sitcom? Or is it just a sketch show where every sketch is half an hour? No, I think it is. I think it is a sitcom. I think that on balance, the episodes that I've seen of the goodies, and I've seen quite a few of them, but there are many of them, of course, many, many of them. But I'd say on balance, the episodes that I've seen are more sitcom than 
series of sketches. And finally, you say about the episode of Sykes, where it's the end of the world, because I can, no, I'm, I'm trying to think now, did you say that before we'd already ruled out the goodies? Because, of course, there is that episode of Asia. Yes, yeah. Uh, of the goodies, which, spoiler alert, the world does end. And there's also an episode, is it a couple of series before that, the end, where they die. Yeah. I haven't seen every single episode of The Goodies, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were a couple more episodes where they definitely die at the end and they're back next series, none the worse Yeah, it's strange, it's a strange old show, The Goodies. And I suppose, yeah, I suppose there are similarities between Did that you and see any of the talk? Of, no, unfortunately not. Eight years ago. Fantastic show. Because it was a great structure for a show, and when I heard about the Python reunions, I thought, oh, if only the Pythons did this. Okay, it was only two of The Goodies, but it was the two of the goodies I think who'd known each other longest because they just went through their career step by step which meant if you've ever read the book from Fringe to Flying Circus and I know a lot of people out there who treat it as a bit of a bible my school library was also the library for the area so they had non-school books in there so I'm reading about things like Twice a Fortnight and Broaden Your Mind and characters like Teddy and Freddy and they did a Teddy and Freddy sketch right there in front of me before my eyes <laughs> Tim Brooke Taylor and Graham Garden are doing <laughs> Teddy and Freddy. And Tim does Lady Constance because they talk about, I'm sorry, I'll read that again. And it's just a beautifully structured show. Just an excuse to bring back old material. That way you can do something a little, well, fairly obscure. Doing doing material from Twice a Fortnight Broaden Your Mind is, is obscure enough. But you know that they're moving towards the more famous stuff. Eric Sykes, I've seen him live. Am I right in thinking that you've got, well, I can see it from where I'm sat just now, I can see Eric Sykes' autobiography on my shelf, but your copy is signed, is it not? No, my copy of the autobiography isn't signed. My copy of the <gasps> DVD Ooh. is signed. Only one series has been released on DVD. I gather that... Well, I, I, I hear a lot more BBC stuff is is getting out there. Is it? Uh, not in front of the children is coming to DVD. Black and white. As far as I'm... Uh, there might have been a colour series, but I have a feeling that none of the colour episodes exist in colour, so there's black and white episodes and colour episodes that are locked in black and white. Well, this is the thing. I know nothing about that show. It heard the title and then suddenly, bang, it's coming to DVD. So let's hope that all of the series of Sykes may eventually make it to DVD and the 72 series will come back into print. What survives of Sykes from 62 through to 79? What survives? I haven't had a lot of luck researching that because the database I looked on treats Sykes and A. Ah, as individual episodes rather than an entire series called Sykes and Air. I don't believe the survival rate is fantastic. But the 1972 to 80 series survives complete except for one episode that's in black and white. Well, I must congratulate you, Ocho, on your choice because I know it's not competitive and all that, but I do like a challenge and it was a challenge over which I was initially floundering. Do you know what my initial choice had been that I was going to watch? And I, I said, I can't do this to Mooncat because he'll never get it without a lot of information. Okay, my initial me, choice was, oh, we're going to do it I was again. Gonna, I was going to start gonna, all I was going to guess. I was going <laughs> to guess what your initial choice would be. <laughs> okay, well, this time I'll ask the right questions, right? Okay. Okay. So, okay. your initial choice, what decade is it in? 70s, I think. 70s. Okay. What company produced it? If you tell me Westward. A London Weekend. Because, okay. Do we know the producer's name? Oh, I'm sure somebody does. <laughs> That's a great answer. You should try to answer a mastermind sometimes, see if they accept it. Right. I'm trying not to ask the obvious, as in, what's it called? No. Okay. Principal character is an actor or comedian? Actor, most famous for comedy roles, but does straight stuff. Okay. Producer, LBT. Humphrey Barkley. 
Okay. LWT, 1970s. It's not a David Jason sitcom, is it? It is. Okay, well, it's either going to be, in that case, Top Secret, Life of Edgar Briggs, or it's going to be Lucky Fella. It was Lucky Fella. Oh, fantastic. You should have chosen that one. I would have had it straight away. There you go. Yeah, but without without direct answers, like like telling you what company made it and what decade it was, and then telling you the producers' <laughs> name, that would have been. I think we tough, would have been yeah. here a lot longer with Lucky Fella. We would have still been here by the time we come back after the summer. But we have we've seen Lucky Fella. We've seen episodes of it. I've seen the beginning of an episode. Now, what I I had acquired three episodes. I was going to watch them one. Maybe it was my unwillingness to watch Lucky Fella. I'm just being very weak, you know. It's not any judgment on Lucky Fella that I was unwilling to watch it. It's just, I'm all sitcommed out and I'm looking forward to my summer break. And I thought, do I really want to engage with something new or shall I just watch something reliable? Right, okay. Dear listeners, if you wish to see three episodes of Lucky Fella, then if you go to DominicFrisbee.com, this is the website of the comedian and actor Dominic Frisbee, and it was his father. Terence Frisbee, who wrote Lucky Fella, and he's actually digitised three editions of the show, and he's got them on that page on his blog. Episodes 2, 9, and 12 from the one and only series. And he's got some interesting background there as to how ITV wanted to repeat it, and how someone, not naming any names, but (laughs) someone (laughs) said, no, you can't. And they also apparently had asked for a second series, but Terence Frisbee wasn't really keen because ITV didn't really do repeats of shows and he felt that it needed a repeat to establish an audience and build its I know some of the things he says in that post have been questioned on the message board the Mausoleum Club. Oh really? Um, Something he says about Rising Damp not being repeated much and saying that that was getting regularly repeated. They can't find any evidence for Lucky Fellow being in the top 20 London weekend shows. But he does make an interesting point about the nature of the BBC's ability to repeat something quite easily and ITV's greater strain with networking arrangements. And this is not the last you'll hear of Lucky Fella on the sitcom club. Now that I've dangled it out there, I think we have to come back to it. We might not necessarily do a show entirely dedicated to it, though three episodes should be enough to go on. We might just do a few of the other David Jason shows might throw in Edgar Briggs and Sharp Intake. Dear listeners, thank you very much indeed for listening to Season 3. I'm saying season as if this is an American show. Series. Series 3 of the sitcom club. We're now going to take a little summer break, as we did last year. Only this time, we're not actually going to disappear entirely. And we'll we're going to do this American style, shall we end club. on a cliffhanger? Have you got a cliffhanger in mind? I'm not sure what I want to have for lunch. Well, I'll give you a cliffhanger. We haven't chosen Joe's surname yet. Should we do that when we come back in the summer? When it's yes, sitcom business? We okay, will. so there's still plenty of time to get yeah. your entries in. Yeah, indeed. Tweet us at the sitcom club or email us feedback at sitcomclub.com. Now, we'll be back in the early autumn with series four of the sitcom club, which will run all the way through till Christmas. And we will be doing everybody's requests, by the way. We'll definitely be getting around to them. We've only had that file sitting there since April 2013, and we're actually going to do them now. But in the meantime... We're going to be turning up on a semi-regular basis over the summer with some pilot podcasts. So not going to be sitcom related, but for example, you're going to hear a specially selected episode of the Talk Show Talk Show, a new show hosted by Ron DCT, alias George Grimwood. Osho and I are going to be talking game shows one week. 
we're going to be talking about the curious combination of comic books and professional wrestling. We are going to be looking at some more dramas in Drama Club 2. Stay subscribed to the feed and keep an eye on our Twitter feed at The Sitcom Club and you'll get full details as to when we release the podcast over the summer. And we will then publish details around about August of the first few shows that we'll be doing when we come back with The Sitcom Club. Are we going to actually reveal right now, live and exclusive, are we going to reveal what we're going to be talking about when we come back with The Sitcom Club? You're the chairman. I leave that entirely to you. Okay, well... Have you forgotten? You is that to... it? Is... <laughs> No, I haven't forgotten. No, I haven't forgotten. No, okay. but I mean, did, did we want to do that or, or do we want to keep that interesting? Let's keep it a surprise for when it comes back. Let's see the Twitter light up when they realise. Let's just say that it's a show that we've already talked about, but there's more to come. More to say. There's a lot more to say, isn't there? Okay, so thank you very much indeed for your support over these last few weeks and months. And stay tuned for some spin-off podcast over the summer and then in the autumn we'll be back with a new series of the sitcom club <laughs>